0: Hello, and welcome to the Recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the past week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. We know some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive by the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The Recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever one of those categories you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here today. Welcome to the recap. We are doing the April 10th episode. So we are still in Leviticus, Psalms and Proverbs. And just so y'all know, I still need narrative in my life. So I am still in Acts because I just have to have a good story.
1: (laughs) What, Leviticus isn't (laughs) good enough of a story for
0: you, Aaron? I got, honestly, way more than I expected and hoped for from Leviticus this week, but it's not keeping me enthralled
1: quite like X. Yeah, the two, quite possibly the two worst chapters in Leviticus were this week. 13 and 14, the skin diseases, those are my least favorite.
0: I know, but, but oh my
1: gosh. Okay, I'm curious. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm Excited to hear what you're going to say about Leviticus. Remember when you texted me the other day and said something about Leviticus 10, Uh and I was like, "Oh, I haven't read it yet." I I totally had read it, but it must not have clicked in my head the way it clicked in you. Although there was something later on that brought me back. I think something in Proverbs that brought me back to Leviticus 10. But we can talk about that later.
0: Interesting. I just love this. I love that this is the thing that I get to do once a week. (laughs) Okay. I like reading about it, and I like taking notes to talk about like, things that I'm like, oh, I need to talk about this. Yeah. Where are we starting? Let's say... After 7. First, yep, Leviticus 7 through
1: 14. Do you want to start? Do I want to start? Sure, I can start. I'm going to be honest. I feel like Leviticus was pretty lean for me this week, but I think I'm going to pick out my one um, in chapter 8. Okay, so this is when Aaron and his sons are being ordained. It's kind of just telling the story and the process. And then in verses 14 and 15, it's talking specifically about the sin offering and what is happening. And it says that he, Moses, because Moses is doing all of this for Aaron and his sons, basically to, he's performing the ceremony for ordaining them. Yeah. Moses poured out the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it so that atonement can be made on it. And immediately in my head, I just started thinking of all these other poured out, the words poured out, triggered in my head.
0: Mm.
1: All those times where it talks about Jesus being poured out, either Jesus himself being poured out or his blood being poured out for us. And just even the simplicity of how the language kind of mirrors, like yes. this Old Testament language mirrors the New Testament language yes. and how that, the way it just reminds Or points, like as we're reading this Old Testament stuff, like it's constantly pointing, 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 pointing to what Jesus did. And then when we read about what Jesus did in the Gospels, it's just constantly reminding and reminding and reminding what he did for us so that we don't have to keep doing this.
0: Yes, yes. Okay, so that leads me right the way you're saying about how all of these words, the repetitive words that you see all through Leviticus are pointing mm-hmm. to words that you see again and again through yeah. Gospels, that makes me think of exactly what I wrote down today as I was um, reading through 14. So 14, just in the first couple of verses, God spoke to Moses. These are the instructions for the infected person at the time of his cleansing. First, bring him to the priest. And that made me think of all the times that Jesus would take somebody after he'd healed them, he'd say, go show yourself to the priest. Yeah. Uh, again, it's one of those, but Jesus is fulfilling all of the law. Yeah. And so it didn't make sense to me all the times before when I heard him say, go show yourself to the priest. But now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, in Leviticus, it talks about how the part that we're talking about is that he actually, quarantine, quarantine comes up multiple yeah, yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, I know
1: that came up yeah. multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So like if you're unclean or if you there's something on your flesh, you have to go be in quarantine for seven days and then come back and show yourself to the priest. And the priest has to decide whether it's grown. And if it's grown, then you have to go back into quarantine for seven days. And then you have to come back. And then, and the same thing with the house. Like the house has to be, if there's fungus in the house right, if or fungus, mold in the yeah. house, the priest has to come mm-hmm. check it out. Which made me think so much of the way that God pursues us and tries to restore us and tries to restore us and tries to restore us. And then, you know, if we mm-hmm. sometimes... It, so just that whole like first bring him to the priest made me think of Jesus. He would make a, he would heal somebody. He would heal the leper because this the skin mm-hmm. that they're talking about. Or the guy, we were just talking about the guy who had to go show himself to the priest after God put, or Jesus put mud in his eyes. So all of that is why he had, why they had to do that. Because the, the priest would have to make this decision, which then of course then reminded me, no wonder the priests were so like the very thing that should have been like the greatest celebration of people's healings and people's cleansing, like mm-hmm. was now their job. And once something becomes your job that you do, Yeah, it takes the joy out of it. All the joy is out of it. So no mm-hmm. wonder like these people are coming and showing themselves to the priests and the priests have kind of completely lost track of the fact that these are individual lives who have lived mm-hmm. their whole lives sick and are now whole or have lived their whole lives paralyzed. And now they're whole because now they're just another one of the people that are coming to them for cleansing. And I just, I don't know, it gave me some sort of compassion or understanding for how it happened that they would be so callous mm-hmm. to not appreciate the work that Jesus was doing because you can mm-hmm. get jesus is doing all of this with these individual lives and their lives are changed which the priests are just another one of the 100 people that they're coming and they're having to assess okay are you clean or are you not clean are you yeah. like
1: do you know what it makes me wonder too is before jesus showed up and started healing people not that the priests were responsible for healing them but they made the call if you're clean or unclean so if the priest says you're clean they kind of get the credit for it right so that
0: oh my gosh Okay, and then
1: now Jesus is getting the credit. I
0: know, and so it made me, So then, that very same phrase where it says, "Finally, the priest will sacrifice the absolution offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncle- uncleanness. Slaughter the whole burnt offering and offer it with the grain offering on the altar. He has made atonement for him. He is clean." Well, that totally brings me back to the pruning section of John 15. I think it is where he talks, mm-hmm. "I am the vine; you are the branch." And he talks mm-hmm. about pruning. But at the very beginning of that passage where he's talking about abiding in me and he says abide in me abide in me abide in me or remain in me remain in me remain in me before he goes into all of that one of the first verses jesus says you are already clean because of the words i have spoken long ago again it's like oh my gosh all of the word is pointing to jesus all the entire word Mm -hmm. every verse of every scripture is all pointing to the work of the cross and what jesus did Mm -hmm. and so when jesus says you are already clean because of the words I have spoken long ago. That's exactly what you're saying. G- the, priests, the priests never got to make anybody clean. They never did. They declared right. them cl- clean, but mm-hmm. God is who makes them clean. And Jesus is the one who says and declares, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. I, sp- mm-hmm. I spoke that you are clean. And so you are clean,
1: not mm-hmm. because of
0: anything else, but just yes. yeah. so much gospel in Levit- Leviticus. Mm. Who knew? It's crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: crazy. That's the one main thing that stood out to me. The second thing that stood out to me is, oh my goodness, this scene.
1: There's- You're gonna have to talk about chapter 10, Nate and because that's what you texted me about.
0: Oh, 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 there's some good stuff in there. You're right. All right, so I have some really funny imagery in my head from chapter nine, and I think that might have been, I think nine and 10 together are what I texted you about. I think I mentioned chapter eight. It took my breath away. It says, starting in verse six, the whole thing is like the, the, this is the whole ordination process where Mm -hmm. Moses is making Aaron the high priest. Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. I'm going to read this, but just read it with the context that Aaron is the same guy that just built, made a golden calf for the people. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I'm going to read this and remember who Aaron was just a few chapters Mm -hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on Aaron and tied it around him with a sash. Then he put the robe on him and placed the ephod on him. He fastened the ephod with a woven belt, making it snug. He put the breast piece on him and put the Urim and Thummim in the pouch of the breast piece. He placed the turban on his head with a gold plate fixed to the front of it, the holy crown, just as God had commanded Moses. Our redeemer lives. mm mm-hmm such a redemptive beautiful he doesn't give up on us Mm -hmm. his mercy like just keeps going again and again and again and he redeems us in our brokenness and um, and he's so good to us keeping that in mind then you see Aaron start doing all of the things that Moses instructs him and I just can't help but picture Aaron's sons handed him the blood and he threw it against each side of the altar. And I'm just trying to imagine like, I should, I mean, you should read the whole passage of like what's Aaron, what Aaron's doing, but the way that I'm picturing, it, (laughs) because Moses has gotten the instructions on the mountain for what's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. He's gotten the instructions for exactly like, as they were building the altar, they were getting not only the instructions for how to build the altar and the temple and all of this, but also what was going to happen once it all occurred. So in my head, I'm kind of like, Aaron memorize all of this or is he like throwing the cup on and kind of looking over his shoulder at Moses? Like, am I, am I,
1: is this this right? (laughs) Okay. There's a section. I don't remember where it is. I don't think it was in this week
0: waving breasts in the air with like I just picture like like oh I know because then there's that moment that he does it and then the glory falls and they're all like whoa because you could you gotta wonder whether they're like okay is it like this is weird this is is so weird okay so now we're waving the breasts and now we're doing this this is very strange and then all of a sudden it says when they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of God appeared to all the people. Fire blazed out from God and consumed the whole mm-hmm. burnt offering and the fat pieces on the altar. When all the people saw it happen, they cheered loudly and then they fell down, bowing in reverence.
1: Yeah, like, just like, That's when they're like, oh, I get it. Now. Oh, well, not even just like, <laughs> I guess you did it right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a time I wish I could remember. I wish I had marked down, but I, I feel like it might be when they were building the tabernacle and it kind of said something about. Aaron and his sons like waiting around or they were kind of set aside to prepare or to be cleaned or there was a period of time Uh and my as soon as I read it I thought I wonder if they were memorizing everything right because like all of that they have you know the different sacrifices and they have to know the order and what goes where and what they get to eat and what they don't get to eat and if someone can't afford a goat then they can bring this it's a lot yes when it talks about them being set aside to prepare or something along those lines, that was, I wonder if they're just memorizing all the laws. Right. Because when you read after all of that, then the next chapter is being killed because they didn't do it right. And so you're kind of thinking they're new at this. Like this is a lot to remember. They're kind of Uh new at this, but it's not a, it's not about that. It's not about the fact.
0: Okay. Let me, let me just read that part real quick. So people, in case people haven't read it that same day, Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons took their censers, put hot coals and incense in them and offered strange fire to God. Something God had not commanded fire blazed out from God and consumed them. They died in God's presence. Moses said to Aaron, this is what God meant when he said to the one who comes near me, I will show myself holy before all the people. I will show my glory
1: in Proverbs this week chapter 24, verse 12, it says, if you say, but we didn't know about this, won't he who weighs hearts consider it? Won't Mm -hmm. he who protects your life know it? Won't he repay a person according to his work? Mm -hmm. And as soon as I read that, my mind immediately went back to Nadab and Abihu and how from the outside maybe, and even in the passage, it says that it was unauthorized, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't the way the Lord had commanded it. But I think in our humanity, we can look at that and it can feel a little bit harsh. Right. But when we think about the fact that God wasn't judging what had happened based on just watching the scene unfold, he knew what was in their Correct. hearts yeah. and he knew they were doing the same thing as Adam and Eve in the garden. Yes. Like they were trying to be like God. Yep, They were trying to make their own rules and do their own thing. And so as soon as I read that in Proverbs, I thought, whoa,
0: this is one of those things that I'm just sharing an observation that I haven't spent a lot. I haven't gone back to really look hard at to make sure that it's correct. It was interesting to me that right after that part where Aaron's sons have just died, Moses then said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Elizar and Ithamar, no mourning rituals for you, unkempt hair, torn clothes or you'll also die and God will be angry with the whole congregation. Your relatives, all the people of Israel, in fact, will do the mourning over those that God has destroyed by fire. And don't leave the entrance to the tent of meeting lest you die because of God's anointing oil is on you. They did just as Moses said. And then the very next line, right after he tells them that they can't mourn or go through the regular mourning rituals, it says God instructed Aaron. And I think that that's the first time that God actually speaks directly to Aaron and Aaron doesn't get his instructions from Moses.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Whereas, whereas the other places, this is just as it God had instructed Moses. Mm-hmm, so I need mm-hmm. to look at that closer, but man, that just is like so right in line with the way that I noticed that God always comes near and he's present and, he's, and he speaks so loudly sometimes says in, in our in, darkest in hours darkness, yeah. in our um, mourning and in our grief i almost rejoice for aaron that he's experiencing god in that for mm-hmm. the first time in that close and direct way so anyway it's that's leviticus i love that connection to proverbs that he knows our hearts there's no hiding our thoughts from him yeah and there's no shame in it because of christ right i've already made you clean i just wanted to take a quick break to let you know that if you're enjoying our reading plan but you're looking to dive deeper into the text using the Bible as your source you're going to love our dive studies our first study is the book of Galatians we're going to dive deep into one chapter per week you'll have the option to participate in live online video discussions with Annika and I and the rest of the Bible study group or you can simply follow along in the discussion in our Facebook groups the first study begins April 28th so be sure to sign up at divecollective.org before we start And hopefully, we'll see you soon. So Psalms, we're doing 7 through 17. 17. I had just a great morning of worship one day this week. And it must have been in this very beginning part because I remember praying a lot of these Psalms in my worship. But this is one I loved. Mm -hmm. In Psalm 8, God, brilliant Lord, yours is a household name. Nursing infants gurgle choruses about you. Toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence atheist babble. I love this is the part that I love. I look up at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, moon and stars mounted in their setting. Then I look at my micro self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way?
1: Crow and micro, I like the way he describes that.
0: Mm-hmm. Eugene Peterson really tried. He tried to stick with poetry,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: so then that makes me think, why do you even take second note of us, and then that brings me to. Psalm 16, five through six. My choice is you, God, first and only. And now I find I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and yard, and then you made me your heir. The contrast between like, why do you even take notice of me? And not only do you not just take notice of me, but you've made me your choice. You've chosen me and you've made me your heir. You're so loved.
1: So loved.
0: You have anything else from Psalms?
1: From Psalm 7 through 11, I must have noticed just like constant trouble. Mm. David's asking for help and save me from my enemies. And But in 12 verse 5, it says, because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. But now, yes, humanity is desperately wicked, just like has been talking about. And yet, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. Mm. Jesus. Even that, it's pointing to reconciliation through Christ. Because we know it's coming, so we can look back on it. But he's not just talking about physical safety, which there's another spot where he says he's asking God to save him in nine Verse 13, be gracious to me, Lord. Consider my affliction at the hands of those who hate me. Lift me up from the gate of death so that I may declare all your praises. The goal isn't just for us to be happy and safe. The goal is
0: to glorify God, for
1: God's glory to be revealed, right? Mm-hmm. So
0: that's good stuff. In chapter 11, it says, But God hasn't moved to the mountains, his holy address hasn't changed. He's in charge as always. His eyes taking everything in, his eyelids unblinking. I love that. Mm -hmm. He's not missing a moment. He's not missing anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's not a single thing that he's missing. Examining Adam's unruly brood. And again, it goes back to your whole, he sees the evil. He sees every evil thing that's done. He sees every wicked way. And he is just, like, he is just. Mm -hmm. And he's coming. And he will make it all right. Proverbs,
1: shall we? (laughs) (laughs) I literally wrote a smiley face next to this in my Bible 25 verse 17 on, let me get there it says seldom set foot in your neighbor's house otherwise he'll get sick of you and hate you oh my gosh and here we are like it it just made me think I immediately thought of you and Guantanamo Bay in general but I was like Aaron doesn't hate me so that's that's a good thing. That's hilarious
0: because I can't wait. I need to make sure Melissa listens to this podcast because she's my neighbor right now. And I'm like, Oh, thank yeah. God for quarantine. Cause I was in her house. all. I would just show up at any time at any moment. Yeah. I could show up at her oh my and my and be like,
1: hello. I was telling, I think it was my sister-in-law yesterday. I was talking about life in Gitmo again. And we were talking about how this whole quarantine thing isn't terrible for us because we're introverts. And so we don't really mind being home all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking about Gitmo. I couldn't ever just lie on my couch and not be waiting for someone to walk through my front door. That verse made me think immediately of certain relationships. I was just
0: thinking the other day, I was like, I actually think I spent 730 days with
1: Annika. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was telling Sue, um, I saw Erin five times every day. Like, it wasn't like I just saw you every day. I saw you multiple times yeah. throughout every single day. Yeah. We would work out together every morning. Yeah. We would eat dinner together every night. And then we would be back and forth throughout it's multiple times for whatever reason.
0: <laughs> it's kind Storm of unbelievable. Room life. It is dorm room life. And that we're still friends. Yeah. That's crazy. It is.
1: That verse made me laugh.
0: That's really, really funny.
1: So, on a little bit more serious note,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right after that, just a couple of verses down from that in chapter 25, verse 20, this felt really practical to me. It says, Singing songs to a troubled heart is like taking off clothing on a cold day or like pouring vinegar on soda. Mm-hmm. Which, what does it say in the message? It's actually shorter. It says,
0: Singing light songs to the heavy hearted is like pouring salt in their wounds. It's just
1: a really practical lesson, I think, to remember that no words are better than singing songs to a troubled heart. You yeah. know, I think the thing that first popped into my mind was when I lost my mom. And that was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. Since that time, I've had people ask me, What do I say when specifically in a loss situation like that? But this is just really practical. You don't always have to say the right thing or, Say anything, or try to be encouraging, or just be. That makes me think about I tell my kids, just be.
0: What I think yeah. the struggle, right, is that we're so removed from so many people too. Is that like it's easy to just be with somebody if you're close, but if all right. you have is Facebook, right? What do you What do you say? Yeah. So often, do? words are what we're trying. Yeah, to say. Because Yeah, because that's all we feel mm-hmm. like we can offer. I remember. When I lost Lydia, it was the first time that I really, and I, this won't be the case for everything. That's the thing is there's nothing prescriptive, right? There's nothing that works right. for me that won't, that will work for you. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But I remember it being the first time that when somebody said they were praying for me and I knew that they meant it, that that meant something to me
1: that mm-hmm. I was like, if
0: like, it's the only thing that mm-hmm. I want right now is to know that some, to know that you're praying for me is Yeah. And I knew people were praying for me because they would say, hey, I was praying today and you came to mind and I just wanted you to know that Mm -hmm. I was praying that, like, it wasn't just, I'll pray for you. Not that that's not valuable, it totally is. But when somebody would specifically reach out and say, the Holy Spirit brought you to mind or God brought you to mind and I'm praying for you today, that's really meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, you don't have to say anything. If you're not praying, don't say you're praying. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm not like, I'm not (laughs) thinking, oh, Mark didn't pray for don't me today. So. Yeah. Like, that's not how yeah. that works. So anyway. Yeah. Platitudes. That, Platitudes I, are like a like right. It's like singing a happy song to a heavy heart. It's the same exact thing. It brings the same feelings about. Right. Yeah.
1: That whole thing of, I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, I didn't, I still sometimes don't know what to say or do in certain situations. I definitely don't. Even if it's a similar, right. Even if it's a similar situation to what I experienced, but that doesn't mean that the best option is to try to find something to say or do. Sometimes just nothing is enough. Not only (laughs) that, nothing, but,
0: but for Pete's sake, people that I love the most said the wrong things to me. And I know that they yeah. love me. But, right. And so just take a, I mean, take a risk. If you say something that makes them mad, they're just mad. And that has nothing to yeah. do with you. Sometimes you're just gonna say things that make people mad. Yeah. And it's okay.
1: Yeah. And I also remember, I mean, there were definitely people that said the wrong thing to me, but they didn't take it personally. You know what I mean? It's not it doesn't have to be an offense. Yep. Knowing that something someone is trying. Can be meaningful meaningful when yes. they totally botch it up yep you know and you
0: almost have to make that choice and it's oper- as a grieving person right you have to exactly not to be yep not to not to be offended
1: by it yep. and to recognize that the attempt was what was what mattered
0: yeah along those same lines it's almost like the exact same words when it says if you wake your friend in the early morning by shouting rise and shine yeah. it will sound to him more like a curse than a
1: blessing <laughs> <laughs> fact Unless you're a mom, then you can do that to your kids. Yeah, that is truth. Proverbs truth. Oh, here's a good
0: one for us, at least. You make me nervous. Oh, gosh. Chapter 27, verse 21. The purity of silver and gold is tested by putting them in the fire. The purity of human hearts is tested by giving them a little fame.
1: I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can we just be really honest right now and say i don't like i don't like that one
0: uh,
1: i'm still hoping for no fame like zero. i'm telling
0: you like i was in proverbs Nothing. today and i literally couldn't finish it i had to go straight to praying i was so convicted and like the literally the fear of god was put in me today in several different verses i was just like okay lord to help me do this right you have got to protect me you purify our hearts you are the purifier that mm-hmm. is this is what you do so i'm saying right now i need you to guide me and guard me yeah. all along this road <sighs> a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks a simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered <laughs> i love the message <laughs> i think we should end there That's the recap from April 10th. We will see you next week. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.